0: this week, we say one love to Kingsley benadir star of Bob Marley, One Love. And we're joined by the star of Madame Webb, Tahar Rahim, who was in the Amazon with my mom when she was researching spiders a week before she died. True story, folks. True story. Don't know why my mom was in the Amazon researching spiders a week before she died, but, but hey-ho, there it is. Uh, anyway, All that and more on the movie podcast that is going on tour in 15 days time and is not at all terrified (laughs) by the prospect. (laughs) What have we done? What have we done? Hello, Pod. I'm Chris Hewitt. Welcome to the Empire Podcast. Uh, This week, we're in a slightly different studio, but I'm joined by my two colleagues of such lethal cunning. Helena Hara, our geek queen, is here. Hello. Hello. How are you?
1: I'm very well, thank you.
0: Good, good, good. And James Dyer, our great big fucking nerd, is also here. Hello, James. <laughs> Dune! I've seen Dune today. I'm so excited. That's nice I'm for gl- you. am nice. I'm glad for you. Yeah. I'm glad for you. Imagine if you were in a room with people who had already seen this. Imagine. imagine. But, Speak <laughs> to me. But, uh, Do not address such me. Such people would have signed, I'm sure, some sort of embargo. Some sort embargo of embargo. Saying they couldn't talk about it until the day agreement. that this episode at, yes, airs. At Gom Jabbar point. Hypothetically. Yeah. yeah. It's all hypothetical. It's
1: all hypothetical. It's
0: all hypothetical. Although
1: I think actually the embargo might, if such a thing existed, be up by the time this episode goes out. For social media mentions that we'd seen it. Is,
0: well, well, hypothetically, yes. But uh, fear is the embargo killer. <laughs> or embargo is the fear killer. Or anyway, I'm just terrified. Embargo not,
1: is <laughs> the chat killer. Yeah. <laughs> hypothetically
0: speaking, I sign something I don't fully understand. So I'm not going to say anything about anything except to say hello, welcome both to the Emperor Podcast and welcome to all our wonderful listeners. How are you? How are the kids? Good. Excellent. Now, go to your computer. This is to the listeners. Go to your computer or your phone. Go to it right now. Right now. Put... Stop whatever you're doing. Pick up your phone. Go to Ticketmaster. Ticketmaster.co.uk. Type in Michael McIntyre. He's on tour this year. No, He's going to be. No, no don't no. do that. Type in The Fast Show, apparently. No, again, again, no again, Chris. No, that's a big no, no. Type in The Empire Film Podcast to differentiate us from the other podcasts that are called Empire. Type in the Empire Film Podcast. You will see that it comes up with a range of dates because we're going on tour in March. We're going to be at Birmingham, the Crescent Theatre, on March first. We're going to be in dot 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 Helen mm. question mark. Fill in Norwich? the next. Norwich. Yes. Yes. The Playhouse uh-huh. in Norwich Correct. on March sixth. And then
1: 6th. oh, and then I know the rest. Then we're going Sheffield. Uh,
0: Sheffield on March thirteenth. Wednesday. Wednesday thirteenth. Sheffield Wednesday. Sheffield Wednesday, Very yes. good. football gag. Yeah, very good. He was very pleased about when, he, was. when he realized that. Yeah. He was very he was pleased very indeed. Very proud.
2: Uh, where else are we going to be Jimbo? Uh, we are going to be in uh in Salford, Madford. Uh, yes, okay, but, you but after one, you skip one. Are you, you oh skip are you expect me to do them in order? Yes, yes I can't. Uh, we do that. I don't know whether you had picked up and no. that but we were doing. Them so in. I don't I was, don't have yeah. the order memorized. All I've, is, all I've got it all I got is I've got March and it just says in
0: my diary the north. <laughs> pretty much yeah. So pretty much except for Norwich which is not the north. It's north of here. It,
1: is it? It is. Is yeah, it? It's yeah. n- I mean it's northeast but it is north. I mean, is it technically yes. north yes. of London? It is technically yes. north of London.
0: I guess London is... In the southeast. In the southeast. <laughs> but then Nor- Norwich is in
2: the... Look, Norwich, east. the east. Norwich. 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 No, the we're not witch. doing that.
1: We're not Americans here. Yeah. We're not going to pronounce Norwich. the W. Come
0: on. <laughs> Jesus Christ. The anyway. North Witches. That's what it's named after, <laughs> oh famously. God. Oh my
1: God. Oh my God. <laughs> Look,
0: anyway, yes, Dublin. Dublin. Dublin yes. 21st. Yes. At uh, the Laughter Lounge...
1: God on help
0: the them. 21st of March as a Thursday And then we're finishing off the tour In Salford Which is adjacent to Manchester Or near Manchester But I have been told by um, People who live in Salford That it is not actually in Manchester a In the same way story. that we would say Helen That Lisburn is not in Belfast Of course not, well, no one no, else in Portugal yeah. Indeed James, indeed Which is north uh, So <laughs> We're going to be in Salford on the 28th at the uh, Keys Theatre, I believe it's called, in the Lowry, which is very, very exciting. Very close, I believe, to Old Trafford, Manchester United's ground. So I may have to wear some sort of uh, Protective gear, armor yeah. or maybe have a priest bless me before I I think that's
1: probably wise. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But anyway, do come along. We're going to be on tour. It's going to be an Evening with the Emperor podcast. It's going to be. The show that you kind of are listening to right now, I'm so sorry about that, but uh, a slightly different version of Mm -hmm. it and it's going to be new things and old favourites returning and it's going to be a really, really fun night uh, at the theatre. Or comedy club, uh, so do come out, do come out and see us. Uh, so many of you bought tickets already, for which we are very, very grateful. But we could always sell more. We can always we sell could more. We could always sell more. And if it helps push you over the edge, uh, and not in the a bad way. Edge will not be in Dublin. By the uh, he way. might be. Uh, he will be in Dublin, but he won't be at our show. Are you sure? i will be very, very surprised. He might, he might a, be on our phone. He might send uh, <laughs> at any moment. He might send a postcard. Come out on the phone, Edge. That's what I would say to him.
1: Is he not in Las Vegas? Still? Is he in Las Vegas? Yeah, I think he's. Oh, they've been in trapped
2: inside that sphere for months. They have been, yeah. Mm. Anyway. But no, so feel? I woke up in the middle um, of the night last night. Yes, uh, with an idea for a thing to do at the live show. Good. I'm oh not going to tell you what it is, but I have a surprise thing, and 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 I'm not going to give anything away. But it, it started with a pun, as all great things do. All right. Oh
1: boy, I had a dream last night that I went to Zendaya's house and I had to adjust her TV because the aspect ratio was all wrong.
2: I thought you were going to say motion smoothing.
1: Uh, no, she's got more sense than that. But <laughs> I, even then, I mean, the, the, even the, the aspect ratio being wrong just didn't seem like her, you no. know? So so I feel like it must have been a rental house or something she do, was just in. Do the, you
2: think McHugh and Tom Cruise fucked it up when they turned off the motion smoothing? What? So McHugh and Tom Cruise did that Never. video that's, that's campaigning oh. against motion smoothing whereby I'm fairly certain they promise to come around to every single person's house and manually turn it off. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I'm always right. having to kick Tom Cruise out of my yeah, flat. Yeah, he's always
0: there, leaving Tom Cruise in Away, Cruise! Your- away with you! Bridge.
2: You
1: just turn on motion smoothing so he'll come over and you can do an interview. Yeah,
0: he just pops down from the ceiling. It's like the
1: bat signal. You turn on motion smoothing and it just turns up. He has a
0: cake. Uh, Anyway, Anyway. we're going to be on tour. We're very, very excited slash terrified about it. We would love to, uh, well, sell out all those venues, obviously, but we'd love to have as many people in as many seats as we possibly can. And if this goes well, who knows? There may be more tours in the future. If it goes badly... Maybe you like will so. never <laughs> hear from us again <laughs> We will not be allowed to leave this podcast booth Ever <laughs> again, ever again Anyway, anyway, plug in Over, uh, that will not be part of the show Either by the way uh, <laughs> Although at this point, I'm not really anything out. Uh, uh, let's get on to this week's listener question, which you guys don't know. No, we do you not. You don't know what the listener question is. Because there's I, nothing like being prepared,
1: I and we are. Want, I don't want you to
0: be prepared. I think preparation which is good. Preparation, blunt, sly, like tool, Helen. <laughs> sure. It's from Finger Guns. <laughs> no, that's not the real person's name. Roscoe Keniston. Roscoe Keniston mm-hmm. on the Twitter machines. Who says, of all the films that have earned over a billion dollars and didn't receive Best Picture nominations, Mm. which ones should have? Now, quickly, highly to BoxOfficeMojo.com! Endgame.
1: (laughs) Endgame.
0: Yeah. I mean, the answer to this is, of course, Captain America Civil War. (laughs) It is, of course... Black Panther, Avengers: Infinity War, The Avengers, Avengers: Age of Ultron, Captain Marvel, Spider-Man: No Way Home, Spider-Man: Far From Home, and the other one that I'm probably forgetting.
1: Iron Man Three. Did you say Iron Man Three? Yes,
0: Iron Man Three, the second Marvel movie to make a billion dollars. Can I just say, I'm so glad uh, I haven't been able to talk about the MCU on the show for a while. I've got a feeling we're going to be talking about it today for some <laughs> <the> reason. It <laughs> might happen. Just a little feeling. Oh, look, what's this in my pocket? Denny Villeneuve.
1: I just handed Denny Villeneuve's
0: you. in your pocket. He's in, like the edge. The edge is in my phone. Denny Villeneuve is in my pocket. Hey. Did you realise that the letters that spell Dune are in Denny Phil Neuve's name? Yes. Yes. Billion dollar films that
2: <laughs> should have been well, nominated. Well, no, let's, let's come about this another That's way. Of the top 10 billion dollar films, how many of them have been nominated? All right, you best tell best me, picture?
0: James, because you've just Googled boxofficemojo.com.
2: <laughs> so, so, I'm, gonna, I'm guessing because oh, I can, can't remember. Can I, can I guess, can I get? All right, okay, can okay guess so number one. Okay, I, okay, okay. okay, number, okay, one, okay,
0: okay. number one, okay. Uh, number one, okay. yeah. obviously, is Evator. Yes Alright yes. Was okay. it nominated for Best Picture? Yes it was Yes it was Okay Should it have won? Yes it should have
1: Hey Come And on, number two it
0: is let's not be, let's Endgame not be wasn't
1: Endgame was the first be, um, bit highest scores of all time I believe not to be nominated for Best Picture
0: Yes uh, Avengers Endgame is number two and was not nominated for Best Picture and should have been Should have been Should have been, should have been. And number three Number three is Avatar The Way of Water. And was it nominated for Best Picture? I couldn't tell you if you could have gone to
2: my house. <laughs> I don't think it was. I think it was. I don't think I it think was. I think it was. It was. I'm saying I no. Think it was. I think it was. Helen,
0: you're in charge of Google. Find out
2: I'm, I'm
1: going to Google. Come and see us live. <laughs> <laughs> we know our shit.
0: Scintillating chat. Oh, God. I think it was nominated for Best Picture, but it wasn't nominated for anywhere near the amount of Oscars that the first Avatar was.
1: Yes, that seems right to me. That's a look. That seems right <laughs> and fair Including best picture. Damn it. All
0: right. Okay. Number four. Oh, this is tricky. Number four. Number four. Number four. Number four. Number, I want to say Titanic. And you'd be right
1: which was definitely nominated which was for definitely Best Picture because, because it won Best Picture indeed
0: number but five. at number 5 number 5 number 5 number 5 number 5 is alive number 5 is it Short Circuit 2
1: it is
3: <laughs> <laughs> Fisher
2: Stevens Best actor to Winner oh, no.
0: that's not going to go there
3: no. he has, he got, an Oscar, has got an Oscar he has, he has
2: got an Oscar short circuit because two. <laughs> when he won the Oscar I was like that's is Fisher Stevens has won an Oscar this is a
0: bit fishery I yeah. said um Okay, number five, Helen. Do you, what's your guess?
1: Oh well, I actually have the. Page oh, for fuck's sake! In front of All right,
0: okay. You don't like it. Number five.
2: You don't I,
1: like it. I, I liked oh, it more than you do. Uh,
0: it's the Force, it's, it's the, the Force Awakens. It's the Force which which Awakens, which was not nominated for Best Picture. Was it not? I'm
2: sure. Are you sure about that? I'm
1: pretty sure it wasn't, but I'm yeah. going to check. All right,
0: okay. You do the box office. Helen does the Oscar. Okay. Fine. All right, okay. This is a nice division of labor. <laughs> <laughs> and who does the anyway? I do the guessing. Uh, right.
3: And Michael <laughs> Fassbender does the finger. Yes.
0: Maybe we can get him along in Dublin. Entice him with some flutes. It'd be amazing come to the comedy club Michael yeah. and do some fingering number uh, six number six number six number six is very the, very few films have made two billion we're still yeah, in the two we're billion sphere. it is not No Way Home because I didn't it's Infinity War it's Infinity War Infinity the Infinity greatest War. of all Marvel movies uh, and did it get nominated for
2: Best Picture Helen did it fuck
1: it, did it fuck, <laughs> did it fuck? <laughs> um, exactly <laughs> uh, Captain America fucks but did, yeah. did Captain America did does not
2: fuck he does he does, he fuck. does not fuck Look, as does Palpatine
1: anywho um uh, Force Awakens was not nominated for no. Best Picture as we All right. as we
0: thought okay alright good good good
1: I'm not good. even looking up Infinity War I think we're War. now, out of, so we're sure now out
0: of the two billions are we? yes we are okay so uh, I'm going to guess that Spider-Man No Way Home is next you would be correct
1: you'd be very correct 1.9 boom Which, no way that got nominated for Best
0: Picture <laughs> it did not No. it should have it should have it uh, no it shouldn't have uh, although it is an amazing film also you will note people listening to this at home that I am saying should have and not should of Should've, would've, could've, instant binning.
1: Well, of course, this gets into really interesting questions of descriptivist does language it, or proscriptivist language. You're being proscriptivist Are you about to talk right about the now?
2: evolution of vernacular? I was. Because fuck I'm... that. They, <laughs> no, those people lost me when they redefined the word literally. The one language, the one word in the English language, you absolutely cannot redefine. And now it literally means... You
0: literally means, can. It, li- it literally I can, and they literally
2: did. can't even deal with that as a concept. You literally can't.
0: <laughs> Whereas I literally... Yeah, yeah, I hate it as well. But should've, could've, would've... No, absolutely not. Okay, number eight. Uh, I may have to eight. give this up for a bad lot, because
2: <laughs> I'm
1: struggling. <laughs> <laughs> you know,
2: the Lion King? It's The Lion King. It is 100... Not the original, obviously. But the, uh, the 2019 remake. 1.6...
0: Oh, so we, we go down to the 1.6s. Oh, sorry. No, I've missed. I've missed one out. I've missed one, miss out. one out. I, I apologize oh. Wait, wait, get number eight. Don't, uh, is it a Marvel? No. It's not a Marvel. All right. Uh, on any level. Is it a... Oh. Is it a... No. Is it a... Oh, hang on. What is it? Is it a Star War? <laughs> no. It's not a Star Wars. It can't be a Transformer. No. It's not a Transformer. Is it an... It's not an original film. No. No. Is it... It's a sequel.
3: Oh.
2: It's the fourth sequel. The
1: fourth sequel? Mm. Yeah they didn't oh. put the number in the title, though.
2: No, they didn't put the number. Do I like this film? I um, don't know.
1: You like the director,
0: Roscoe Karns? It
2: we took a long time, time to make this film—an unusually long time.
0: Oh, uh, uh, uh several eyes, wide shots. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> yes, eyes wide shot. Several Million
1: billion years. years. Several billion. Million. Oh, it's a <laughs> Sorry, you're, you're <laughs> is it Jurassic? Um...
2: Sorry, Helen. You're you're Jurassic explaining to me. It's Jurassic World, Chris. It's Jurassic World.
1: Is it Jurassic World?
2: Yes, it is. It's <laughs> Jurassic World. It is Jurassic World, which made 1.67 billion dollars.
0: Alright, so that's at number seven or eight. That's at eight. That is at number eight. So then Lion King's at number nine. Yeah, but but Jurassic World, that didn't get a best Picture nomination. Surely. No. no. The, the, no the Lion King? No, the Lion King didn't? No, it no. didn't. Okay. Like, All right. And Lion uh, King is at number ten. nine, yes. No, number ten, yes. rounding out the top yes. ten. Is. Okay. Is it a Marvel? Yes. It is a Marvel. It yeah.
1: is a Marvel. It's Captain Marvel? No. It's,
0: it's not, not Captain Okay. Marvel. Is it Age of Ultra? Nope. No, no, but you Avengers. were very close. Yes, yes. it is in fact the Avengers. Avengers. Endgame, Infinity War, the original Avengers. One point five two billion dollars. Age of Ultron made one point four. Did it
2: get a Best Picture nomination? Did, no. it, fuck?
0: did no. it fuck? Did it? Did it fuck? Did it fuck? Should it? No. Right, so which of those top ten? So the, of the top ten, three of them got nominated. <sighs> all the James. I'm on for the G-
2: Avatars, both of them. Definitely on board for both of those, and obviously Titanic as well. I think Infinity War should have be been
0: nominated for Best Picture. I think I should have done as well, but then you are preaching to the choir in that one, <laughs> my friend. But well, Helen, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Endgame, because we said this at the time. Mm. We even did that. Remember that we did that live, live sport, special at King's Place. We yep. did. Where people bought tickets to see us, just as they can whenever we're going on <laughs> tour in a couple of weeks' time. The alarmingly close tour. Mm. Uh, and it, I had a bee in my bonnet about this because I thought that it deserved the farewell lap. Lap of Honor, that Lord victory of the Rings parade, won. that the Lord of the Rings, yeah, won. cowards. That's what it was. You know
2: why it they was... didn't do it? They didn't have the stones for it. They didn't have the stones for it.
0: <laughs> well, half the uh, well, the cause... body were were dusted. <laughs> that's that point, true. Yeah, that was, nice. that true. so it was tricky. Like, was, okay. Okay, I, 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 okay, okay, okay. Okay, 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 What won mm. Best Picture that year? Helen, tell me. It came out 2019. 2019. Something not Is
1: as that was good. A parasite. Okay. Was it Parasite? You've
0: undermined my argument immediately.
1: <laughs> I mean, it was, it's a good movie. If it, it's a good movie. But we've had some good movies in recent years. We've
0: had some good movies. But I'm, was going it, was it, th- I'm going to double the,
1: the check. I'm going to double check. The Oscars was... in 2020.
0: It, and and it, be prepared. Even if it is Parasite, I'm going to say that Avengers Endgame is better because I've committed.
1: <laughs> oh, no. And I'm, I'm doing it. Best but Tony, picture that year. The nominees were...
0: The, oh, I, I love this. This is like okay. the, the Oscar announcement. Mm. The nominees are...
1: The nominees are uh-huh. Ford v. Ferrari... I mean, immediately. Yeah, gone. Uh, the Irishman. Gone. Jojo Rabbit.
0: Gone. I love that movie, but gone.
1: Joker, gone.
0: Gone. <laughs> Get You're out of here.
1: Little Women staying. Little Women is staying, and I will fight you. Only because Florence
0: <laughs> Pugh dies in a hail of bullets.
1: <laughs> Marriage Story. I can. I think. Get you're out staying. of here. 1917. No, that can stay. And Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I can stay. And of course, Parasite. That can stay. So we All have right. like four spaces there yeah. to give to it's Avengers such, Endgame
0: it's such a big film but also 2019 we should also uh, nominate all the other Marvel movies that came out that year so oh, wow. congratulations Best Picture nominee Captain Marvel
3: <laughs> and congratulations Best
0: Picture nominee Spider-Man Far From Home and did Venom come out that year as Oh no. Well? no. No 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 <laughs> Spunk will never be nominated for an Oscar I think we can
1: oh, pretty much say Oh you say that say now that. you've just tempted fate
0: Yeah wait till we get to the review section Best Supporting Spunk uh, was Robert Downey would you, would you put him in Best Actor or Best Supporting Actor?
1: I would put him in Best Actor because that could knock out Joaquin Phoenix for Joker. <laughs>
0: so. She loves it We're doing it again we're coming. relitigating Oscar history which is not what the question was let's very very quickly get back to the question okay. because this is a packed show we got a lot to talk about uh, so the question was which of the films that made a billion dollars do you think should have won Best Picture uh, yeah, for me or been, uh, been nominated for Best Picture uh, yes End Game. Yes, Endgame. Yes, Grosvenor. Not Endgame, Infinity War. And Infinity War as well, yes. Okay, that, mean, that's sort of that's people who think we're Marvel shills a little bit of a bone. Is there anything that isn't Marvel?
1: In that top 10 or just oh, over the, a billion?
0: The, of the 53 films, I think, that have made a billion dollars. Who wants to get about for Furious 7?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I kind of do actually. Throw top, top Gun Maverick, I would also say, is a good contender.
2: Mm, I agree. It, it did get nominated, didn't it? Okay, yeah, fair. Enough. Then good. Well done.
0: Well done, uh, Academy. <laughs>
1: uh, uh, Iron Man 3 is up there.
0: Yes. But, yep, yep, <laughs> Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... Uh, I'm, just, I'm
1: just looking at Aquaman and just trying to imagine the Oscars nominating it. B- Best,
0: Best Picture nominee, Minions. Uh,
1: Skyfall, is there an argument to
0: be made that Skyfall should have been nominated for Best Picture? I don't think so. As much as I love Skyfall,
2: I don't
1: think Was it's a it Best not? Picture nominee. I don't believe I don't it was. So.
0: Okay. I don't believe it was. It might have been. We don't really I mean, look, there yeah. have been
1: more embarrassing Best Picture nominees. It would be fine.
0: Uh, the whole reason why, of course, why they expanded the Best Picture category from five to whatever it is now, nine or ten... Is The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight, which... Didn't make a billion dollars in his first release, but has since crept over the line. Yeah. So I'm going to throw that in there yep. as well. Uh, I don't believe The Dark Knight Rises should have been nominated for Best Picture. So Agreed. I'm going to take that one out of the running. Uh, so that leaves us now with the likes of Yes, 53 movies. Uh, Jurassic World Dominion is the 53rd of those films. Uh, There's a whole bunch of really, really terrible movies here. (laughs) Uh, There's a bunch of Transformers films, a couple of Fast and Furiouses. uh, Some Disney remakes. Some Disney remakes. I'm struggling. I'm really struggling. Frozen, maybe.
1: Did Frozen get nominated? Not for Best Picture. Did it get nominated for Best Animated? I assume so.
0: Yeah,
2: it feels like it should. Have I done And best song, one. certainly.
0: Yeah, definitely. I'm, yeah, I'm struggling. Uh, Black Panther got nominated, as we all know, for best best picture, the only Marvel movie uh, to be nominated for best picture. And uh, otherwise, I honestly, this is, it's not a shit show at the fuck factory, but it's not far off. It'll do it until one gets here. It's
1: yeah, it's it's not a great testament to, you know. Now, having w- said that, modern
0: cinema. we did an episode of the ranking purely focused on the Billion Dollar Club and we talked about how yes there's a lot of dross in there but there's also a lot of great films a lot of great commercial films but not a lot of films I think that would float Oscar's boat no that's true that weirdo fucking weirdo Uh, Oscar uh, you standing there covered in gold what a prick if you want to have your question read out in the Emperor podcast, and why wouldn't you, quite frankly, uh, then you can get in touch with us on Twitter. Yes, Twitter. I'm at Chris Hewitt. Uh, you can slide into my DMs, you can reply to any of my panicked shout-outs, or you can reply to any of my tweets once you've stopped laughing, of course. Speaking of stopping laughing, you'll never stop laughing if you come see us live when we play Birmingham, Norwich, Sheffield, Dublin and Manchester <laughs> slash Salford <laughs> slash Lancashire slash England uh, in March. Tickets are on sale now at ticketmaster.co.uk, empireonline.com forward slash pod tour. There we go. Time now for a guest. Who should we have? Do we on Kingsley Benadier?
1: Yes. Okay.
0: Kingsley Benadir is a wonderful,
1: uh, I w- is
0: he? I've got to phrase this very carefully. I was going to say up and coming, but I think he's come, Helen. Don't you think?
1: I think he's arrived. He's I think he's the lead in a major Arrive biopic. Arrived
0: the phrase I should have used. Yes, yes I, I use yes. that carefully. <laughs> yes, thank you. Uh, yes, Kingsley Benedier, he has been knocking on the door for a couple of years now. He was he was most excellent in One Night in Miami a couple of years ago. Uh, he was great. He was one of my favourite things about Barbie. The he
1: was very good in Barbie.
0: Billion dollar grossing mm. Best Picture nominated Barbie. And he was most recently, of course, in the MCU as well. He was one of the best things about Secret Invasion, which, you know, obviously we we have very strong opinions of Secret Invasion, but we liked him and his Welsh accent as graphic. He's adopted a different accent for his new movie, Bob Marley, One Love, in which he plays Bob Marley.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What? I know, it's a huge I thought you were
3: going
0: to say tennis.
2: (laughs) It is. He does
1: play a lot of football, but not tennis.
2: He does. I suppose One Love isn't even a score in tennis, so. No. Uh,
1: well, well with, games, kind of, with, with games with games, tiebreakers yeah tiebreakers so, and yeah. games if you're one game up it could be yeah, maybe. actually I
0: think it's it's 1-0 once it gets to a tiebreaker I think it's 1-0 mm. I think it's 2-0 3-0 mm. zero, zero, and then I it's possible we've strayed off track Anywho. anyway Kingsley Benadire is Bob Marley in Renaldo Marcus Green's a biopic Bob Marley One Love which focuses on a specific two-year period in Bob Marley's life, of course, the great Jamaican reggae singer and political activist uh, who passed away in 1981. This focuses on two years of his life between 1976 and 1978, but, but obviously does a biopic thing of going back into the past as well. And uh, we sent along Amon Warman to interview Kingsley Benadir in a London hotel room recently. And I was there. I was the one pressing record, folks. I was the one pressing record. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So if the sound levels are off, blame me. Here we go. Kingsley Benadier, do please
4: enjoy. Mr. Kingsley Benadier, how are you, sir?
5: I'm doing great, man. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Awesome. I'm happy to be celebrating Bob and talking about Bob and bringing out this movie tonight in London with his family. It is a, it's a beautiful feeling. It's a surreal feeling and it's... um. Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. The lack of sleep is of no concern to me. <laughs> I just, I've, I, I forgot, you know, I've been talking about Bob so much. I'm like, oh my God, this is one thing that I can talk. You might have to stop me because <laughs> I can just gas about him. You know, it's been two years nearly in March. It will be two years um, that, that Ziggy and the family, you know, they they gave their blessing, and you know, and then and then you know, I've been I've been with Bob every day, yeah. listening to him, you know, and and learning the music and just all of that. So I'm happy to be here, and thank you for having me. Ever
4: since I watched it, I've just had Bob Marley on the brain. Yeah, <laughs> I've, I've listened to nothing but Bob Marley tracks for the last like two three days. Um, great, I've had a great time.
5: So it's so. good listening to Bob, isn't it? <laughs> you know, you can just lose yourself. It's so much music. I thought I knew who Bob. Well, I thought I had an idea of who Bob was, and I, I don't even remember when I first learned of Bob because he's always been there, and I think that's a lot of people's experiences that they know Bob or they have an idea of Bob and, and who Bob is, but really, it's, it's an image and an idea and the music, and to get to understand him as a human being and as a man outside of that public persona, outside of the, you know, the, the, the universal legendary status. Mm-hmm to get to understand about him as a man, to understand that he was from the ghetto and he grew up in Trenchtown. You know, to to spend time with the people who, who loved and knew him, not just the family, but Bob's friends, guys who knew Bob in Trenchtown when he was 13, 14 years old. You know, those were the people I spent time with to learn about him, to learn about his sensitivity, to learn about his toughness. And all of those colors, Bob was so complex, you know, and rich. He was Bob was on a deep one, and it's been um, it's been it's been a joy of my life, as I say, professional life, but just my life, you know, to 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 get to spend that much time with him and his family and his friends, it's just been gorgeous. I'm sure it's already
4: happened for you in the moment since you uh, sort of cut on this movie for the final time, but when you are out in public and when you're in a party now and you hear a Bob Marley track. What does that do to you? Does it take you back to this process in a way that obviously wouldn't have had
5: before? I would have thought that after we've rapped, that I'd be, you know, I listen to Bob every day yeah. or every other day, you know. When I go onto Spotify to put on that like every, every, every every other time I'll go to an album, you know. I was listening to Exodus this morning and uh, Concrete Jungle yesterday. So he's really, he's stayed with me. Man. I love the music. I mean, Exodus is probably now one of my favorite albums you know I got a, I got a record player um you know someone got it for me as a gift before we started filming and they sent me some vouchers um for a record shop in in Brick Lane and I went down there the other day and you know I've got all of Bob's records at home so I've just been playing them on vinyl for the first time and it's um yeah I love his music you know outside of I'm a fan so you previously portrayed uh,
4: this guy called, I think, Barack Obama. I'm not sure if yeah, anyone knows who that and is. And then there was this other guy called Malcolm X. I'm not Malcolm sure. X. Yeah. So has playing icons like that, did that help prepare you in any way for this?
5: I think every job prepares you in a way, you know, it's all experience. Bob is an artist, you know, he's a musical genius. And that to me was very different to anything I've ever done. So I'm I'm checking Bob as an artist, you know. one of the first things I did before I auditioned was I was on YouTube and I found um, you know, his performance at the Rainbow Theatre in um in uh, 77 in London, Finsbury Park. And I just got stuck on that for a few days. And so, yeah, he's the musical it felt dangerous to me. I was like, I ain't done this, you know. Bob is a one-off. Bob is uh one of the most recognizable faces on the planet and he means so much to so many people around the world and in jamaica you know it's really but you turn the volume down on that you know after a while you go i'm, I'm trying to i'm trying to understand bob as a as a human i need to understand what his vulnerabilities were what is you know who he was in private and so um i forgot what your question was because i just been rambling
4: <laughs> not that just playing uh, obama and Markham X yeah, help prepare yeah. you for they me. all prepare you they
5: all prepare you you know Barbie prepares you secret invasion prepares you Vera prepares you all the plays prepare you it's all a journey one leads to the next and you know it's starting to learn from all of it you know did I remember when I first left drama school I was doing, you know, bits and bobs of radio and, and a lot of theater workshops. I used to do a lot of theater workshops, so play readings, and you get a little 150 pound for the day, and you get to spend time, you know, with a writer who was developing their work for the first time, and that you learn from that, you know. I'm, te- I'm really bad at, um, like, cold reading, like reading off a script, you know, in those auditions where they give you the pages on the day. I can't look at the page and then act. I can't do that. So you learn, you know, and I still need to work on that, you know. So you're always learning something and and hopefully, you know, trying to improve on where you may have made mistakes the last time, you know, and trying to get better at something. I think what I learned during Bob was looking back, I was like, maybe I should have taken a few more breaks, you know, because you can work in a way where it's not productive. You're just working from a place of stress and nerves and, and not wanting to mess it up and actually taking time to look after yourself and taking time to, you know, you know, I watched some football once, I like watch Match of the Day and, you know, and have a little glass of red wine. It's not going to be, you know, and just <laughs> relax because you reset, you know, you're emotionally reset and you can come in recharged and be better for everyone else. So that's what I learned on Bob, you know, his work ethic. Bob's work ethic was, you know, it you know, wasn't human. He was up crack of dawn before the sun strumming, you know, creating, running, football. They were in the studio in the afternoon all the way till three in the morning. They sleep two hours up again, rinse, repeat. They were on it, you know. Bob was, um, this idea that we have, you know, in the west of this chill out rust of it, you know, is really, Bob was intense during the creation of that album. When it came to music, he was serious man. He was a very, very serious man, you know? And he had another side. He was, he had a great sense of humor and he was fun to be around and he was like, but you know what I learned about Bob through talking to the people who loved and knew him was that he was big into self-betterment before it became a thing. He would, he was about uplifting people. So if he was here, you know, people would say, he'd be like, what are you on? What are you doing? What do you love? Like find it, who are you? What, like he was that guy. He was on a deep one, you know? and um, so. Yeah, it's been a joy to get to learn about him in that way.
4: Obviously you put in so much work to make sure you get the details right before you start shooting. What was day one like for you? Did it, did you feel like you had it from from the get go? Or was there a day on set, a moment on set where things
5: really clicked for you? Day one shooting or day one prep? Day one, shooting. day one shooting was very intense. You know, we went straight into the studio, we were doing the natural mystic scene and then the next day was the Junior Marvin scene. So we were going straight into two really big ensemble bits in the movie that involved music and that involved Bob in a very particular state. And I, I was playing him very intensely because that's what I heard. It was, you know, when he tells them, we have to work. We have to work, you know, when he's challenging Junior Marvin, it's really about, I'm employing you to come and join us in the creation of this music, which is so deeply connected to our spirituality and our message that I want to check that when you're coming in, you know what this is about, so... Bob would, you know, you read those scenes and it, they, they read like, oh, they're just having fun in the studio there. But from the research, I was like, no, that's not what Bob was on. If we're going to do these scenes, I'm going to play them intense. So I was intense. And I think it surprised a lot of people because, you know, a lot of people don't associate Bob or necessarily know that about Bob. Um, so it was intense. It took me a few hours to like settle in because all the family were there and it was a lot of people watching, you know, behind the monitor, so. But at at the same time, like that was what was great, you know. After that day, having all the family there and having Neville Garrick there, who was Bob's close friend and artistic director, that was that was my safety net. That was the blessing of all blessings, you know. First of all, there's no movie without the family, but second of all, to have a process where they're there. And so, if you ever feel like you don't know Saturn or you're feeling like you just ask Neville, because Neville was there with Bob, and ne- and trust me. Neville and Ziggy, <laughs> if they didn't like something, they're going to tell you. And I really, really needed that. There's too much gassing sometimes, too much people just blowing smoke. And I'm like, I don't need that. I need to, you to tell me when it doesn't feel good, when it feels all right. And then we can have a conversation about how to improve on it. You know, how can we improve on it? And oftentimes, you know, if a scene didn't feel like it was working, we'd just go, what would Bob say? How did Bob feel about this scene? Is Bob's voice being fully reflected in what we're doing here? And if the answer was no, well, then let's go back. Let's go check in with him. And we'll put on some of his interviews. We'll put on some of his talking and we'll listen and we'll find it, you know. It was about, for me, the work that I could do leading up to it was like to try and absorb as much of his language and his words as I could. And his daughter, Sadella, sent me files, you know, that only the family have of Bob talking for hours and hours in interviews like these with people that never got released. Um, So I came in with a huge understanding of Bob's spiritual, emotional, political, musical point of view. Um, So we had some great discussions and, uh, you know, it was about triple, quadruple check everything before we move on. And um, and Neville and and Ziggy made sure, you know.
4: You mentioned the language there, and I know that you spent a lot of time studying, absorbing the Patois language that Bob speaks in. Was there a certain phrase that you had to get yourself
5: into that character? sometimes yeah but one of them i can't say because it's a cuss cuss word it's my favorite word and i said it all the time and they've had to take it out of the movie a lot because we need children to come and see this is a film where you know you can bring your grandma and your granddad and you can bring kids so i was you know and i and i appreciate that you know bob would have wanted everyone to come and you know, Bob wanted to include everyone. That's why you got songs like Three Little Birds and then you got the hard edge concrete jungle and an uprising and survival and, you know, and, and the, the B side of Exodus is love songs. So Bob was about all of it, you know? So, um, but yeah, so many, he says so many wonderful things. Yeah. <laughs> Bob told an interviewer one time, you know, he's talking to her and he said, you got to check your subconscious self, mm. you know, check your subconscious self and be still and listen. You know, and you find the answer you need. And I love that, you know, there's a simplicity and a depth all at the same time, you know. Bob was on a deep one, man.
4: One thing, a little detail that I uh, sort of noticed as I watched the film, in a couple scenes, Bob was reading Haile Selassie's The Imperial Majesty and then Mm -mm. also Marcus
5: Garvey. Mm -mm. Did you read those books? Did Mm -mm. that help
4: get you into that character? Yeah. Yeah,
5: in a way, I read everything. But at some point, You got, you know, one of the major acting lessons I learned, you know, in the last five, six years was, you know, you can overburden yourself with backstory to the point where, you know, it can just become too much. So there's certain things you just need to have an understanding of. What's important is to understand how much those books meant to Bob, you know, how much they meant to him and, uh, and the significance of Africa in his life and Marcus Garvey and Haile Selassie, like that that's where Bob found his safety and his identity. You know, he, Bob would hold his locks and say, this is my identity. You know, this is who I am and, and his, his spirituality his connection to music and football and his community and his people, that's where Bob found safety, you know, these guys, they didn't have therapists they can go to, you know, and, and talk, you know, it wasn't one of those ones, it was something else for them. And they found it in the music and in God. And, um, that was beautiful to, to get really secure in that and understand you're dealing with a spiritual guy, you know? And, um, so yeah, yeah.
4: One of my favorite lines in the movie, I think it's spoken by Lashana Lynch's Vita, who is incredible. No, oh, she's in the way. best of the best. Um, she says, "Sometimes the messenger has to become the message." Mm-hmm. In this respect, for you with this film, do you feel like the messenger here?
5: No, what I take from no, not at all. I, I love what I love about this is that the goodwill and the love of Bob is what's going to bring people to see this. I was Bob was in service, you know, he was in service to something deeper. That's why when you watch him on stage, there's a magnet, there's a there's an energy there that you can't explain. You can't copy him, you can't mimic him, you can't do that. It's, he's there's a spirit there, and and the family and I spoke about that. I don't look like Bob really, you know. I'm too tall. Bob's five seven. I'm six two. But we all agreed that you can't copy him. But what we're trying to do here is to kind of create an almost love letter to him, you know, to find his spirit. It's an acknowledgement from the family that Bob. Um, you know, he had his own struggles and his own suffering. He came from the ghetto and he found music as a way of, uh, of, of, of connecting to something. And, and I feel like I was in service to the family and Bob's friends and Bob's community because they love him. You know, you spend time with them, you're like, these people love him. Their whole lives since Bob's gone have been about him. And they still love him. And there were tears and laughter and finding out about him with them. And they shared so much. So I just feel really honored and privileged to be in service of the family. Um, and uh, my job was to, in the best way that I could, um, make sure that they understood that I was ready to break my back for this, you know, and that and, uh, I didn't know everything or anything. And I needed their help. Um, and so it became a real community thing. You know, normally you just get your character in your bedroom and you make your character, but with this, I found Bob through them. So,
4: yeah. You talk a bit about Bob's spirit and spirituality. When I watch this film and I see you performing, it feels like you're getting lost in it. Is that how it felt to you? And when Renato cord cut, did, were you able to, what, what was the aftermath of that like, especially in those performance scenes? Because it feels like, you're doing it with your whole body and you're... the energizes you. In you, the you yeah. energizes
5: you. Yeah, it's not... I, I love those days on, on stage because we play James Brown to warm up, you know, mm-hmm. and we yeah. keep it moving. You, it's, it's, it gives you energy. His music gives you energy. So I was like, they're like, are you okay? Come we we'll we just do one more. It's like, do 10 more. I don't care. Do oh, 10 okay. more, you know.
4: There's talk in the movie about music having the power for change, which is absolutely right have there been any lyrics, it doesn't have to necessarily be Bob Marley lyrics, that have really resonated with you on a level and proven that to you?
5: All of his songs. The joy of this was getting to really study all of his music from the beginning. And I fell in love with uh, his bedroom tapes, you know. There's some recordings of Bob where he's, you know, working on songs that were never released, you know, like Jailbreaker and Jump Him. And you can hear him, you know, in his rough tone, in his rough voice, and then he has banner in between. And I really studied those tapes, you know, and I I, I realized that this is a this guy's a poet and he he was a genius and he he wrote so many incredible songs. Not one, not two, not five, not ten. Pierre of them. Like it was so many. And to do that, like how many people can do that, you know? Like to be able to create at that level. The commitment, you know, you got to spend ninety nine point nine percent of your time in a kind of meditation, in a kind of isolation, to find that. And so that's what I learned about him. You don't just wake up and write a song like that. There's, there's a whole, um, there's a whole life that went into all of those songs.
4: As we wrap up, I have to ask you about this small movie you may have heard about. It's called Barbie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it made made, made a few made a few dollars here and
5: there.
4: 1.34 <laughs> million.
5: Yeah.
4: Wild. Completely wild. That wild? You know, watching that movie, I had so many, I can't believe God had got away with this, moments. Mm-hmm. When you were filming it, did you feel any of that? And <laughs> so,
5: every, well, <laughs> every take. And you don't know how many scenes got cut. Oh, my. So I know the scenes that. So you're watching that, and I'm going, this this is wild, mm. and it could have been wilder, you mm. know. But it was. Um, I think every scene, you know, we just were like, really, <laughs> like really. But it was a. It was kind of doesn't make sense. But I remember saying Greta saying to us that um, what's working is just this commitment to this thing, and it shouldn't make sense, but it does because everyone's so committed. Yeah. And that was the only job I've ever been on where people coming in on their days off. People coming in on their days off just to be about, you know, because it was so much fun, so much fun. And she'd let you create and, you know, and find things. And it was, uh, I loved auditioning for that film because the scenes were so fun. As in, I was doing do my audition cracking up, you know, and then, you know, I enjoyed rehearsing it. I enjoyed shooting it and I've enjoyed watching it. I've been three or four times to see it. Did you barbenheimer? Uh, not on the same day, not on the same day, but I saw, Oppenheimer two or three times, and I've seen Barbie three or four times. Kingsley Benadier, this has been great. Thank you so much for your time. Nice to talk to you guys.
4: Okay,
0: that was Kingsley Benadier. We will be reviewing Bob Marley, One Love, later on in the show. Right now, it is time to talk about this week's movie news. And thank Christ, there actually is some movie news, and a lot of it is surrounding my beloved MCU, which, after a wobbly 2023... I think, is setting themselves up for a strong 2024 and, more specifically, 2025, because yesterday came the announcement that the Fantastic Four have been cast. The Fantastic Four have been found. Marvel's first. Family. Who are they? Tell the good folks. Taylor Swift fan Eben Moss we will be playing <laughs> Benjamin, Grimm. <laughs>
1: Benjamin isn't, Grimm isn't he um, isn't he the cousin thin thing he's the cousin thin. thing he's cuz cousin he's
0: Richie
2: he's Richie yeah. yes okay.
1: yeah uh, cuz um, he'll,
0: he'll be shouting cuz and it's yeah. clobbering time an awful lot hands, corners, forks whatever you want Yeah. Hands, uh, that's corners, very doom. exciting
2: because he's having a proper moment at the moment and I'm, I'm very there for it mm. I have an Eben Moss backrack t-shirt that I'm going to be wearing on our tour Amazing. Yeah.
1: Anyway, there are three other people who are cast. In the
2: yeah, film. there are. There are. So, who's playing Sue Storm? Helen. Sue
1: Storm will be Vanessa Kirby. Yes. Which I think is good casting. She is very cool. Um, she is cool.
2: She is visible and, though. Yes, so. it should have cast John Cena. Yeah,
1: <laughs> you know, you yeah, but maybe she'll just stand really, really still, like and then Drax. We won't ah, be able to see her. Yes, exactly.
0: Yes, yeah. That's um, eating a sargonut, of course. <laughs> Indeed, and then the master of
2: puppets himself, Joseph Quinn. Okay, so, so this is, is going to be the playing one, Johnny Storm.
0: This is the one that I need to be not talked round on because I have no strong opinions in this guy whatsoever. I have never seen Stranger Things Mm. and I'll be completely honest with the folks listening at home, I never (laughs) will. And yes, I know it's probably in my wheelhouse. It's fine. It's TV, I understand. I still haven't finished last year's MasterChef The Professionals. (laughs) I have a lot of TV to get through. Anyway, I hear he's very good in it. Yes. But I, I, I look at him and I don't, I don't, get the and obviously Sarah Halley Finn who is the casting director at Marvel and Kevin Feige and his team and Matt Shackman the director of the Fantastic Four will have seen this guy so they have just looked at a picture from the internet and gone nah. yeah he'll do yeah. yeah. So he's obviously really, really impressed him in, I presume, chemistry tests yeah. and physics tests and biology tests oh and all the stuff you have to do to get him a, a role these days. Mm. Beating off lots of American men. All the stuff you have to do. <laughs> Will he have the mullet, though? I think that's maybe what pushed him over the air.
1: Is that? What? Why are what you? mullet? No. What mullet? Eddie Munster mullet. No. Oh, he no. plays
0: Eddie Munster. No, any no, monster. Oh, okay. Right.
1: In Stranger Things, right. he does have a mullet because it's set in the eighties. This is not set in the eighties, as far as we know. Although there was speculation it's set in the sixties. I mean,
0: it looks to be absolutely set in the sixties. Yeah, well, we'll from that, that, that,
1: that picture, we, we yeah. should talk about that. But, um, but no. The, here's the thing: the the sort of Gen Z girlies have gone absolutely mad for him. So he may not be your conception of like super handsome, super cool dude. I mean, but he literally last summer when last hmm. summer when Stranger Things four came out. Suddenly find himself getting mobbed in the street. He is like, an
0: axe man. I am exactly the
2: same. But finally, Helen, who's the daddy?
1: <laughs> it's Pedro, Pedro Pascal. Because if you need a daddy, you're going to get Pedro Pascal. Oh, right? yes. I believe he's even a zaddy, but I still don't understand what that is, even after Ben tried to explain it to no, I still don't me. understand.
2: Did either of you think for one second maybe possibly it would ever be Krasinski?
1: I thought for a second around the time of Doctor Strange.
2: So, yeah, when he was actually. Yeah, I haven't really
1: thought it very much since. You didn't think they'd carry that on?
0: I don't know. I, I, My feeling is that, no, that it was a little glimpse into worlds and characters were unlikely to see again. So, no. Also, I think that he probably... It's very. This is really interesting. So, Pedro Pascal, there were lots of rumours. Krasinski was never really rumoured to be in the running. I, you know, the, the name Adam Driver. Does that mean anything to you guys? Adam Driver had been hotly linked with Reed Richards if anyone doesn't know who we're talking about then Jesus Christ I'm so sorry we should lay this out first so the Fantastic Four in case you don't know they were, they are. Reed Richards, who is mm. the world's smartest, or maybe even the universe's smartest man, and they do he, like their superlatives, don't they? They do, and mm. he he can stretch his body. Bendy, Stretchy, Rooney. They, they go into space because uh, reasons, and they go into space. And they get bombarded by cosmic rays, and it transforms their bodies. Yeah. So Reed Richards can stretch his uh, lady friend slash wife. Uh, you know, not to give too much away I'm sure I don't know whether they're going to be married in this or not uh, Sue Storm she becomes the invisible girl later on the invisible woman do you know why she's invisible? Patriarchy Patriarchy
1: Yeah but I think she also can create force fields and stuff. She can, she can, she can do, well. she
0: can do yeah. all kinds of yeah. things with invisibility uh, Johnny Storm her younger brother who is a hothead is mm. a literal hothead because he has a human torch and he can become fiery And he can fly And he shouts flame on mm. and he flies around uh, and then Ben Grimm who is the actual astronaut in this little, a little team uh, he becomes a giant orange rock monster mm. who is super strong and uh, mm. he's called the Thing which is weird because Joseph Quinn is obviously playing
2: the Human Torch and he is the rock monster
1: I mean, more of a heavy metal monster, really.
2: I mean, that's technically true. Mm. Yeah. He's me. uh, <laughs> He's metal. and it's Doctor Doom who's metal, so
1: indeed. Yeah. So it's uh, yeah, look. I think everybody out there has probably seen one of the other adaptations. Yeah, they hopefully, not not the 20- hopefully, not the three movies. Hopefully, not the um And this will hopefully be uh, something that does them justice within the MCU. And and although maybe not, because as as we we alluded to already, there there are. rumors there are signs um, this picture might suggest that this is set in the sort of 60s of the original comics Mm -hmm. Um, and would that mean that we're talking about starting their story in a different universe and then bringing them into the MCU with whatever event is going to bring all these disparate strands together
2: Mm. well I mean obviously we're going to get onto the Deadpool trailer in a little bit but
1: Kind of In terms of, that of universe
2: now. hopping, there seems to be a lot of that going around. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a
0: coming, it's a coming. Yeah, there's, there's lots of stuff here. So the, the, the casting was announced yesterday via this little cartoon and people immediately looked at the cartoon and so it's them together eh, lounging around because they are a family. Reed is the older, he's the, he's the dad and <laughs> Ben is the irascible uncle and Johnny's a little cousin run around.
1: In some stories they, the they even do have kids as well. Yes, the, they do. Um, uh, the Richardses. They do. Um, and I and would honestly be open to that on the screen. I think that'd be a cool thing to play. We haven't really seen that very much, but I don't think we will in this film. I anyway. don't think
0: we will because Franklin Richards is frankly a very, very powerful character and um, deserves a bit of a build-up, I think, uh, to be honest. But we, we, we shall see. You, you never know. But, anyway, as someone pointed out, uh, Ben is reading a copy of, I think, Time magazine. Yeah. And it is from December read 1963. read about in Time magazine. Indeed, indeed, James, thank you very much indeed. Uh, and, he, and it is Linda B. Johnson on the cover of this in the illustration. So that would seem to set this in 1963, which is, of course, when they were created. Now, I don't think that they're going to do the Captain Marvel thing of, oh yes, before Tony Stark, there was someone who was super powerful. We just forgot Never to tell you about, about them. It, yeah. yeah, and they disappeared... I don't think they're going to do that again.
1: No, because apart from anything else, part of their story has always been that these guys are superheroes, that they are admired, that they are known. Um, and that's, that was always a, a really interesting point of contrast to the X-Men, for example, which mm-hmm. is which is a useful thing to have if you're going to have a universe with both of them, which, you know what? We are. So uh, so I think it makes sense to have a different timeline, have a different reality for them, at least, mm-hmm. as a, again, as a launching pad. And then I think there's going to be a crisis on infinite Earths, if you will, Uh-oh. to bring a lot of these people together. Is that... It is. Exciting times. No more rumours about the Fantastic no. Four. Now we can just focus on the Doom du- rumours. Uh, the Doom ru- rumours. Oh my oh God. My God. Sorry, the
2: crossover yeah. of champions.
1: On. It'll be fine. It'll be okay. We'll get through the <laughs> Dune rumours as well.
2: Plus, yeah. you know, good casting all around, I'm saying. Yeah. And, you know, we've got the Fox Mr. Fantastic, which is a nice turn of
0: phrase. Very quick, Eben Moss Backrack, of course, uh, one of the growing number of people who's actually played now two roles in the MCU. Can you, mm. can you name the first? No. No. Shame on you both. I mean... He was Micro microchip in the first season of The Punisher.
1: I'm okay with not remembering I, that.
0: I do remember that now,
2: but I've... Yeah, I didn't well, even finish The Punisher. So. Also,
1: in the, in the Punisher, I'm sorry, I was busy. John Berntal was on screen. I'm supposed to look at the other guy? Please, be sensible.
0: Be sensible. Be sensible. Uh, all right, let's move on now to mm. other stuff. Uh, a whole bunch of trailers because it was Super Bowl weekend at the weekend, uh, and I stayed up and watched most of them live uh, using my wife's Game Pass. So we, I watched a lot of American commercials as well. You know, lots of good stuff there. Lots of big names. My God, they've got some big names. Uh, but they also had some big trailers. I guess we had we had Wicked. We had. Mm-hmm. The new Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes movie. Yep. We had Twisters. So excited! Just for I'm so that alone <laughs> is better than the original movie, I hey. would say. And we had Deadpool and Wolverine, which we now know is the title of Deadpool Three, as heavily hinted. In fact, I think accidentally leaked by Hugh Jackman <laughs> about two years ago. So. Should we talk about those? Should we talk yeah. about them? Which which order do you want? To, and God's of the and Kong, the New Empire, came out um, yesterday as well and it looks absolutely fucking bonkers and Dan I Stevens cannot is doing it for some reason.
1: It's hilarious. It's it's um it's like Clyde with a chance of meatballs. It's like, oh no, they're hitting all the international landmarks first. It's just where where do they emerge? The pyramids, of course. Of course, they emerge <laughs> from the pyramids. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, is that
0: where they're standing at the end? Because I've only seen it on a very very small screen. Oh,
1: at and the beginning and the end of the oh, of okay, the,
0: they're towering ago. over the pyramids.
1: Yeah, they do because they're very big. They are very big. Yeah. yeah. Um. That was that looks bonkers and a lot of fun. I had I had a good time. Twisters, I'm super here for. Twister. I know you don't like the original. I love it. I have so I much need, love in my heart for it. I need
0: to revisit the original. Yeah.
1: <sighs> I'm not saying it's clever but it is big no, it has good I people a, in it
2: it has very good has people very in it very
1: good people it has a very deep supporting bench
2: and one of the only things I remember about it is in this trailer which is the little balls going up into the yeah the, yeah the, the, the that twister. was the whole
1: that was the whole you know film film essentially but what's great is last time they were trying to get the little bolly things up into a twister so they could get really good information about what makes twisters happen and therefore better early warning systems and everything else this time they appear to think that they can stop them from happening by getting the little balls into the twister yes
2: like Jerry Butler they're going to use weather as a weapon
1: I'm just, I'm so amused by that. I'm also really amused by the fact that Glenn Powell seems to have combined the Bill Paxson and Carrie Elway's yes, characters in one person, <laughs> which is exciting. And I just like... I,
0: that guy's just pure charm. It's he? going to be so him. stupid
1: and I can't wait. Yeah, yeah. he is he is great. And we, you know, i have we've been talking about... Glenn Powell needs to be a bigger star for many, many years I now. I think this is his year. I think this is it. I think it's happening think at last.
0: Anyone but you has kind of set him and Sydney Sweeney on a yeah. on a on a path, which is weird because it's like air quotes only made what two hundred million dollars worldwide, but because of the sleeper nature of a success. Mm-hmm. You know, it's probably made another million while I've been talking.
1: On Valentine's Day, I think it, it They re-released it, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that. And Hitman and Twisters, he looks really, really darn cool in it. Daisy Edgar-Jones looks good as well. And uh, Ramos Anthony and Ramos. Him, yeah. yeah, there's there's good people. Lee Isaac Chung, the director of Meanery, um, immediately taking the <laughs> the big paycheck to do this. And why I admire not? That. Who I can blame that. Him? that. Why not? Go yeah. for it. Uh, but if you can also make a movie with... With a bit of rigor, and drop it in the summer season, then yeah, go for it. Uh, but we all know why twisters are formed. It's to bring people to the magical land of Oz, which brings hey. us nicely to Wicked. Something which, wicked this way comes. Something
1: wicked yeah. this way comes indeed. Mm. I'm. Uh, it's. I mean, it's very, very CG heavy. Mm. Um. Uh, I'm. I didn't love the two notes I heard of <gasps> Defying Gravity. I'm. I'll, you know. What? I am on record as a massive Cynthia Revo fan. Mm. I think she's incredible. But so far, I'm not there. Define gravity.
2: Another thing, of course, it has in common with Twisters.
1: That's it, right? Mm. Um, I I am intrigued, but not necessarily yet sold on this one. Um, And it's an interesting decision to break it in two. So basically, the first half of this is essentially going to be a prequel to The Wizard of Oz. And then part two will essentially be The Wizard of Oz from the witch's point of view. Can we talk about
2: that decision? Like, that strikes me... I can't decide whether it's just madness or it's hubris or what it is.
1: You're just jealous because they did Les Mis as one film and you wanted it as two.
2: That is 100% the case. Uh, But, but... Look, mm. musical theatre fans will often tell you Wicked is their favourite musical. You know, it is, it is clearly... <laughs> he says, speaking for all musical theatre fans. Uh, I mean, look, it's no six, but what am I going to tell you? Um, it's great. It's great. It is great. I've gone to see it.
0: It's very, very good.
2: But does it need two films? I don't know. Are they no. doing
0: two films now? Because as someone pointed out, this is Dropped the Wicked Part 1. Well, so I, maybe. Think, I think that's because Dead Reckoning Part 1 did not do well, and so now Part 1 uh, well, is box office poison. Again, No, 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 no. Again, we have to point out that Dead Reckoning did, did well. well. It just didn't Relative do... to
2: expectations. Yes. But, but I do think, and I, and I, this is something I genuinely think is true, I think putting, in retrospect, putting Part 1 in your film title is going to turn off a large chunk of the demographic because people don't want to see half a film. Remember, so, Dune Part 1 was just Dune when it came out. Mm-hmm. Mm. So it was retcon to Part 1. That's the way to do it.
1: Not even retcon. They had it at the end. Of
2: yeah, the film. they did actually have it at the end <laughs> of the film. But it was retcon at the end of the film. Helen began the film as Dune. Ended the film as Dune Part One. That's and not of course, what
1: retcon. Yeah, whatever.
0: <laughs> episode four wasn't. Wasn't Episode four added to Star Wars after it came out? Absolutely true. Yep. Yep.
1: yep. And, yeah. look, it, I'm. I have. I have notes about this. I'm not sure about the way it looks. I'm not sure about the way it's lit. It's extremely dark, and I don't know that we needed it to be. But um, they look good. They can both sing. I'm. I'm optimistic.
2: <laughs> and that's the bare minimum I we mean, expect.
1: You know, you want it to be great,
2: and like in uh, in Twisters, when the little balls go out, they fly, my pretties, fly, fly. <laughs> so, I
1: mean, we do have some scary monkeys. So we do. Good. Speaking of scary monkeys, hey!
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> apes, as the librarian would obviously <laughs> tell you, but I will allow it.
1: <laughs> Close enough. Um, yeah, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. You know, I don't always love this franchise, but no. I quite like this trailer. It was interesting.
2: Talk, talk to me about that very, very briefly. Like, so, so of of the rise. Dawn Rise. War. He tries very hard because I can never get those three yeah, in the no, right yeah. order. Uh, which ones do you not like?
1: Uh, the two sequels I just <gasps> think are look. Uh, it's, <gasps> I don't love animal stories. You know this you about me? You do hate in terms all living of, things. No, in terms of like animation, I just find it slightly alienating to be expected to follow the adventures of a rabbit or whatever. I like Zootropolis or whatever. Fine but they're never going to be up there with my favorite animations. You're an animal And it's kind of the same with Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, or or, or the Planet of the Apes generally. Uh, I also have a problem with the fact that all female characters in the sequels in that trilogy could be entirely summed up by the word nurturing, and I don't think that's nuanced or interesting or good or clever or good writing um, and I have a bit of a problem with that on it the is,
2: ape side there's a real problem there as well
1: well yeah. human, human and ape there, is, there are no interesting female characters in those sequels whatsoever
2: there's the mute child in war
1: oh great <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, anyway way I... to prove my point <laughs> okay um, there's a in one of the movies
0: there's a, a background character who definitely looks to have a great and interesting inner life the orangutan is a girl which one the
2: orangutan yes Is a girl
1: isn't yeah and is and is Hmm? summed up by the word nurturing so Morris yeah Morris is a girl
0: yeah I did not know that
1: anyway Anyway. uh, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes um looks like Freya Allen from The Witcher has a good role which is exciting also going to her indeed and um and uh, you know there seems to be a story there I'm I'm interested to see how it goes I'm not you know.
0: I, I, the weirdly the CG doesn't look as good as it did in the previous ones like, what, huh. what happened there what happened there folks uh, but maybe it'll be good when it's finished uh, hopefully it'll have the same team as Quantumania oh boy what bring it home bring it home at
1: least it'll be finished
0: hey come on now that's harsh but accurate <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to. I think this was the this made the biggest splash of all the trailers at the Super Bowl.
1: Apparently, it's one of the most viewed trailers of all time. So I, I would say yes. Yeah,
0: that's mainly me <laughs> Re- <laughs> Replayed it a whole bunch of times, trying to spot stuff in the background. Is Deadpool and Wolverine the return of Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool, uh, aka Wade Wilson? Yeah. But perhaps more importantly, I don't know, is it more importantly? But Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, mm. although we don't actually get to see him in either this trailer or the Super Bowl 32nd teaser. You get to see his face out of, uh, out of uh, focus, but you don't get to see him.
1: You get a flash of yellow. You get a flash good.
0: of yellow. Mm. It's a very, funny, very, very funny end to this trailer where he, he or someone has clearly smashed Uh, Deadpool through a wall of some kind or what looks like actually the 20th century uh, Fox logo Uh, if you're wondering how meta this movie gets uh, and then Deadpool's lying on the ground he's like don't just stand on your big ape get me up and then Wolverine pops his claws in silhouette very very cool shot Mm. and then goes to stab him which of course Wade could survive but yeah yeah
1: but he doesn't know that yet. Maybe he doesn't.
0: We yes, yeah. So, so what do we think about this? Do we understand this? What What the hell's happening? I mean, the TVA are involved.
2: I I, I don't know what the TVA shock sticks were called canonically, but we were all thinking of pegging when we saw them, <laughs> and I'm glad that Deadpool finally put voice to that. There is a pegging joke. Not a first for me. But it is a first for Disney.
0: Great, very well timed. Look to camera there from Ryan Reynolds. Uh, I really like the first two Deadpool movies, and uh, we were all wondering whether they might blunt Deadpool's edge when he came into the MCU. And there's a pegging joke within the first thirty seconds of this trailer, just kind of like reassure people. I think. I think so. And And it worked. And he goes, he goes, "Oh my fuck!" At one point when he sees someone being uh, grabbed by a the purple cloud that is in the void. Uh, From Loki. So Loki Ah. seems to be a huge kind of linking um, text to this, which is very, very important. Here for that? Yeah. So Matthew McFadden as Mr. Paradox, a TVA agent who is very important. So important we haven't seen him in the previous two Loki seasons. (laughs) Uh, And he's in this. We got a little glimpse at the back of Emma Corrin's head. Mm -hmm. Uh, They are rumoured to be playing Cassandra Nova, who is uh, like a... Very evil Charlie X kind of kind of yeah. psychic. Uh, how uh, and of course it's about the TVA somehow recruiting Wade Wilson
1: for reasons for
0: reasons to go into the Marvel Cinematic Universe for reasons, mm. and it all sets up the line, "I'm Marvel Jesus," but he calls himself the Messiah. I'm mm. a Messiah, and he says, "I'm Marvel Jesus." So. Of course, this movie has taken on a very different hue and a hue since it was announced. Because when it was announced, it was just like Deadpool 3, Deadpool's coming to the MCU. Everyone's excited about that. See how that's going to work. Oh my God, Hugh Jackman's in it as Wolverine. Okay, you had my attention. Now you have my... No, fuck it. You have my curiosity. Now you have my attention. But it was just like another big film, like a very, very exciting film for people to go gaga about. No, but it's now that's a different film. But now the MCU's had a bit of a wobble
3: mm.
0: at the box office, and you could argue creatively as well. Uh, maybe they haven't quite hit the heights that they have been hitting uh, with the Best Picture nomination afforded <laughs> Avengers: Endgame. So suddenly, a line like "I'm the Messiah, I'm Marvel Jesus" takes on a little bit more meaning and a little bit more subtext and a little bit more weight.
1: I guess it does. Mm. Um, I, 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 don't, I wouldn't give it weight though because it's weight Deadpool. <laughs> so I know, but you know what I mean. Like no, this I know is the, what you mean like the one of, MCU yeah. film this year. Yeah,
0: they have the.
1: They have a chance to kind of reset, clear the slate a little bit. Yeah. and uh, clear the palette, if you will, as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Um and uh, yeah, it will be. I, I'm I'm really intrigued to see it. I I didn't understand this trailer particularly, <laughs> but I'm that's nice. Sometimes you know it's good. My take
0: on it is that somehow Wade Wilson for some reason is, uh, is important to stop the multiverse imploding upon itself. Mm. And so he is sent into, there have been, been rumours that he's being sent into the MCU to kill, basically to kill off the Fox universe. <laughs> that, which, is, which is why we get so meta. And then at some point, somehow he gets banished into the void, which means he obviously does get pegged he gets pegged because that's what happens that's how you end up in the void you get pegged and you end up in the void and there there does he meet Hugh Jackman but there's all sorts of stuff going on here because there's a 20th Century Fox logo that they're fighting against there's uh, a a Secret Wars comic which is visible in one of the shots as well so there's a lot of stuff going on in here but listen all I want from my Deadpool movies is Deadpool being funny and bouncing off people and, and, and annoying them and good action sequences and, and Ryan Reynolds going full Ryan Reynolds um, and I think we're going to get it so right. fingers crossed fingers crossed and that one is out in July very very excited exciting Stoked 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 Toad Stoked Toad Stoked Stoke of course not one of the places we're going to on our tour No, no. Birmingham Norwich Sheffield Dublin yeah. Manchester have, all you of those. Bought, have you booked your tickets yet? I should hope so. Yeah. Ticketmaster.co.uk Hey everyone, it's Chris here. Just jumping in real quick because we didn't have time to do this when we were recording yesterday in the studios. Now here I am telling you that the new issue of Empire, the brand new issue of Empire is on sale right now in all good, evil and virtual news agents. And I can highly recommend that you go down and pick up a copy or two or five or ten or as many as you can carry. And hey, while you're there, Why not get some tickets for our tour as well? Shameless plug for that. Over. There'll be more to come. Anyway, it's an amazing issue on the cover. Can you believe that we are celebrating 25 years of the Star Wars prequels? I feel incredibly old, but it's true. In 1999, The Phantom Menace came out. It is celebrating its 25th anniversary. And so we have gone all in celebrating all the things that we love about the Star Wars prequels. And I know that many of you out there love the Star Wars prequels as well. We have exclusive interviews with Hayden Christensen, Liam Neeson, Natalie Portman, Ewan McGregor, Ian McDiarmid. We have an amazing interview with Sam Jackson, which is one of the funniest and shortest interviews I've seen in a long while. We have... New exclusive photo shoots. We have looks back at the Star Wars archives. We celebrate them all. The Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. And yes, if you're wondering if we mention lat review of Attack of the Clones, no, we don't because we did a piece in the magazine on it a few years ago. So there you go. Yaboo sucks to you. But there's more inside the issue. If you're not a Star Wars fan or not a Star Wars prequel fan, don't worry, we got you covered. We have an exclusive look at Three Body Problem, the new Netflix show that attempts to adapt the unadaptable novel. We have Rose Glass, Kristen Stewart and more about their new film love lies bleeding we have an exclusive first look at the amy winehouse biopic back to black we have some incredible stuff in the first word section including a look at godzilla versus kong giancarlo esposito is this month's pint of milk we look at alex garland's civil war as well and in my section the best section the final cut section There is all kinds of incredible things, including an interview with Juan Antonio Bayona, J.A. Bayona. Uh, We rank the Scream movies. Lee Child's in there. What If Season 2 is in there. Oh, my word. What an incredible lineup. It is on sale right now in all good, evil and virtual news agents once again. And we would be absolutely delighted if you would pick up a copy. Thank you so much in advance. And now back to that Egypt in the studio. Okay. Shall we have a final guest? Sure. Yes, indeed. Let's have Tahar Rahim, who is one of the stars of Madame Web, which is the latest entry in the the Sony Pictures universe of Marvel characters. Uh, And this one sees Dakota Johnson play a psychic lady who helps save a bunch of potential spider women from a scary spider dude played by Tahar Rahim, the wonderful French actor who kind of burst onto the scene a few years ago in Shaq Odiard's uh, A Prophet. In fact, that's where I first met him at the Cannes Film Festival, uh, which, of course, he remembered. No, he didn't remember. But uh, I brought that up at the beginning of our interview, uh, talking about that and talking about this movie and kind of how he's rejected Hollywood's overtures over the years. So here we go. Here is Tahar Rahim. Enjoy. Tahar, welcome to The Emperor Podcast. How are you? I'm good. Good, good, good. Uh, we actually met years ago in Cannes uh, when a, a Prophet came out. Wow, years ago, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was just—I uh, was just thinking about that film and what it meant to you. First of all, because that, that changed your life, didn't it? Of course,
6: it changed my uh, professional life because it was my first feature. The yeah, before that, I just uh, shot in a TV series, in a TV series, and uh, yeah. When I had this part, I was so excited and happy that I could start what I've. What I was waiting for uh, uh, for years, you know, yeah. and working with this director, Jacques Oja, was a, like a dream. And uh, the part was amazing. And, but when you shoot that, you're happy because it's the first time for me um, to be in a movie, and I was discovering everything. Everything was new. I would learn every second on the way. And, uh, but you couldn't expect uh, the success of the movie. Yeah. And yeah. when it happened, I was like, whoa. So it's like we went in can, you climb the uh the stairs, you know? <laughs> yeah. You're a nobody. Yeah. And when you come out, people start to recognize you on on the street and it was like uh, it happened instantly. Yeah. Yeah. And it was great. I I liked it <laughs> a lot, you know. I was like, "Okay, cool. <laughs> so there uh this movie's going to be seen and uh who knows what's going to happen next and uh and I met my wife in this movie too, so.
0: <laughs> so not bad. Yeah. <laughs> not bad at all. So, so that, that period, immediately after the film comes out, and suddenly you're being recognized and you're having all kinds of offers thrown at you as well. How do you keep your head in the, in the wake of that? How do, you, how do you, <sighs> you keep yourself yourself and not turn into, quite frankly, a giant a-hole?
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um... Which you didn't. We should <laughs> clarify that you didn't.
6: Uh, I was afraid of uh, turning into uh, someone that I didn't want to be, in a way. So what happened is that I didn't really embrace uh, the fame and uh, the exhibition and all. I was too scared to become, you know, stupid or to be eaten by the star system or whatever. Yeah. So I, I I, I quite hid myself a little. And I knew I was young, but not that young. I was 28. Yeah. And I knew that a career uh, can only be built in time, I mean, uh, by saying no. So I was, like, reading a lot of scripts, and uh, some of them were bad. Others were, like, good, but too similar, so uh, I didn't, you know, I had to say no a lot to, mm. to, to you know, to uh, keep my, um, the vision I had of being an actor and where I wanted to go, which means trying different things, jumping from one type of movies to another one,
3: mm. exploring
6: different fields, fields, uh, different cultures. That's different what
0: languages, different, you know, you're working in French, working in English, yeah. working on both sides of yeah. the, of the pond, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Of late, I mean, you've, you've You're in Madame Web, obviously, and last year you were in Napoleon. Yeah. And you've worked pretty consistently in the English language since a prophet. But movies of this size, Napoleon size or Madame Web, you you, you have avoided. Uh, Is that a deliberate thing? um, Until now, obviously.
6: It happened once or twice, yeah, because the movies weren't interesting to me. Uh, I wasn't really... um, I didn't really feel the scripts or the characters and all. I was like, I better say no now and wait. Be mm-hmm. patient mm-hmm. till I find something that talks to me mm-hmm. in some ways. And I, and I really wanted to work with Ridley Scott. So when it happened, I was like, okay, let's, you know, let's do it. Let's uh, meet this monster and see the way he works and uh, learn something. And uh, it was the exact same thing for Adam Webb. I, I was like, why not trying to be naive? Superhero movie yeah. because it, it doesn't really happen when you when you shoot uh, in France or in Europe. This happens in America. We don't. It's not our culture. Uh, it's not our mythology.
3: Yeah.
6: So uh, I was like, I want to try it. I want to see how it feels, and uh, I want to do it for myself, for the experience, uh,
0: my acting experience, and for my kids as well. Okay. <laughs> so how did Madame Webb come about? for You was it. Was it something you auditioned for, or did they did they no, come to you? It was an offer. Yeah, and uh, I was uh, a little bit surprised.
6: <laughs> then I, I was like, okay, right? So why not? <laughs> then I read the script, and it was good because I liked it. It was different from other Marvel movies because it's uh, you know more uh, grounded. Um, the story stands on its own. It was a new character that wasn't uh, that didn't appear before. Yeah, excited enough to go there and, uh, and uh, to do it. And uh, yeah, I was excited as a kid. You know, I, I, I like to walk hand in hand with the kid that's still sleeping inside of myself.
0: Yeah? Mm. <laughs> he's a really interesting character, Ezekiel, because he's someone who can see his own death. Mm-hmm. He knows not when he's going to die, but he, <laughs> knows, he knows how he's going to die and he knows he's not going to die well. And that information, I think, would drive pretty much anyone crazy. Of course. What would it do? Is that something that you thought uh, about? I'd go as crazy, you... first of all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would uh, fear going to sleep. <laughs>
3: yeah.
6: Because <laughs> you have the same vision every night. Which, yeah, yeah, exactly. So it drives you crazy, of course. How how could it be different? Um, and I, I think at some point, you'd try to stop it. You'd try to... Avoid it. And the more you become crazy, uh, the less you understand reality. So uh, his life turned into a nightmare, obviously. Mm. And there is this uh, psychological thing that I wanted to explore. And I talked with my uh, psychologist as well. I was like, oh, what is it for uh, uh, a person who sees his, uh, like a nightmare or his own death every night? What happened? And she exactly told me that afraid to sleep. Uh, They don't really know if they're in in the real world or in a dream world Mm. or reality or not. And uh, she said something very interesting. that, And it was um, the only moment when they, uh, in a way, uh, relax and soothe their mind and soul. It's a dawn. Because they don't know that they're still dreaming or they're awake. And I like that, you know, I'm like, oh, interesting. So the rest of the time it's just craziness and uh, trying to save yourself. And then it becomes like your life has only one purpose is to stop something to happen, which helped me to build his physicality, the way he walks. Like, you know, it's just uh, going from point A to point B and that's it till I stop it. He has one goal. He has one one focus in his life. Mm Everything it's else. it's not killing them, just killing them like, like yeah. an animal. He knows
0: that's the only way for him to stay alive.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: It's, it's fascinating because, you know, obviously it would be a very, very different movie if he approached it in a different way. But it does make you think about how you would react if you had mm-hmm. that knowledge. And Ezekiel, as you say, he, he attacks it. He becomes very aggressive. But, you know, would there be another approach would you, if you accepted it and, and thought, well, maybe is this because I'm a bad person? If I change who I am, if I start doing good deeds, altruistic deeds, mm-hmm. might my visions go away? You know, mm-hmm. I did wonder. He, did he try that approach? Do you think? I he thought about it. Character? Yeah, of course. Because that's what I would do. It's a different movie. It's a shorter it's movie. It's a different movie.
6: You see, I mean,
0: at some point you have to. You know, it's ten minutes long. You have long. to do your
6: job and respect the script and the story and all of the character. Good uh, Yeah, I don't, I don't it, think I don't think he would attack this. Yeah, do yeah. we change the movie? <laughs> <laughs> But um, I uh, I would accept it. Yeah, I would you know use the rest of my life to accept it, which would be a different
0: goal, but still a unique goal. Yeah, it's like a, it's almost like Groundhog Day. Like you get this chance to become a better person. Yeah, as myself, try to do as uh, yeah. as much good as you could. You know, just smile the moment it happens. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of love that this guy. Instead of going, I should become a better person, goes, no, I'm going to become a worse person. I'm going gonna- <laughs> to find these people yeah. and kill them. That's what I'm going to do. And then that, all, my, all my troubles will be over. <laughs> but I, I, I think
6: he was a traumatized kid. Yeah. That's what I thought. Because uh, I think he suffered when he was a kid. He lost his parents and nobody helped him. Mm-hmm. And uh, that built his uh, personality. Like, okay, I'm going to be selfish. I'm going to think of myself, and that's it. That's why he
0: seeks out this, uh, you know, the tribe. Absolutely. What was that experience like of, of shooting the movie? Because of the nature of Ezekiel's pursuit of, of Cassie and, and, the, and the girls, you know, you're more like a Terminator figure in mm-hmm. a way. Like, you're, you're a glimpse. You don't really have many scenes with Dakota, for no. example. So when you do have those moments, what was that like for you? Did you, you know, did you... I, I, and Dakota grab those moments and and go okay now we've got really we we, we really have a chance here to to yeah. mesh as actors
6: yeah to me uh, the scenes that I have with uh, uh, Dakota and especially the diner scene yeah was the most important scene in the movie for, for me for yeah. the script for the movie and uh, uh, selfishly for me as an actor because uh, this was the best moment to act because that's the face off of the movie and yeah. it's like we have, we share the same clairvoyant power. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's cool to see what a good person could do with this and a bad person could uh, use this power. So the face-to-face at this moment was uh, to me the
0: climax. There's a lot of uh, neat editing tricks going on mm-hmm. in the sequence team yeah. to make Ezekiel kind of flit around Cassie, like but that. did you shoot it? Very much as a conversation, or did you shoot it in a, multiple ways, multiple cameras?
6: We uh, shot it as a
0: conversation. Yeah, uh, many times.
6: Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> with the super suit, without
6: the supersuit. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. But I, I think that this scene or sequence is so well directed and edited, and it was like kind of uh, very interesting to just uh, you know dive into the scene because there was another uh, layer which is they meet in a, uh, um, in a different dimension. You can do whatever you want
0: yeah. as a director. Um, real quick, i to let you go, but uh, I wanted to ask about the Ridley Scott experience. Because mm. you had, you'd had the Whacking Phoenix experience already. You'd worked yeah. with the Joaquin before. Did that make it easier in a way that you'd had this, this castmate that you knew? Because exactly, I know Ridley yeah. works fast. Yeah, so fast. Yeah was scary. <laughs> uh,
5: yeah.
6: I mean working with Joaquin, uh, I did it before so we knew each other. And uh I, I uh I respect uh the actor and uh he is so talented. So I, I knew what it was uh who I had in front of me.
3: Mm.
6: Uh, uh so yeah. But working with Ridley was completely new. It was I mean man, when I uh shot the first day, I remember I was there first day a little scared and all and it's uh, it's uh, it was, it's not in the movie anymore, but it's a sex scene with um, Josephine. So it's, I'm not really comfortable, first of all.
0: That's a tough first day. Yeah. That's,
6: that's tough, yeah. 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 But there was acting in it, yeah. you know, a big conversation. And, and then we start to shoot and there's always four cameras. So I'm like, okay, cool, we're covered. But two takes. I'm like, uh, what, can I just do it again, please? <laughs> And that very day, uh, I, uh I understood that uh, it's going to be like this all the way long. So when I went back to my hotel room, I, you know, I rehearsed a lot to be ready to give them two different way, I mean, two different takes. Wow. I was like, okay, right. It's going to be two takes and move on. And it happened. And I was so surprised and amazed by the way he shoots. I mean, uh, there was like a lot of extras. And uh, the set was so huge for the first battle in uh, Toulon. Yeah, yeah. And it felt like, I don't think I have the English word for that, but uh, you know, when you shoot, when you film uh, uh, a theater play, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, you got two cameras and it's mm-hmm. just, you mm-hmm. know, action and cut at the end <laughs> of the show, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it yeah. felt like this. We were like um, playing our scene here. It was so huge that Joaquin was there playing the scene at the same time as it was uh, as if the editing was happening in real, in real time, wow. you know, in direct. Wow. One camera here, another one here, another there. So everything was happening at the same time. And it was like a big lesson because I, I understood how strong Ridley is uh, in terms of editing, in terms of uh, directing. And uh, he was like a conductor.
0: Yeah. It was incredible. Man's a genius. The man is a genius. Well, Tahar, it's been a pleasure catching up after so many years. Oh, yeah. Uh, and best of luck for the future, sir. And see you soon. Thank you. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> Thanks very much. Cheers. Thank you. Okay, that was Tahar Rahim. Now let's talk about. Madame Webb, which is out in cinemas right now this is a Beth Webb biopic I believe Jimbo? <laughs> that's exactly right yeah this is true, true. Hell Spells well just... you haven't seen this yet have you?
1: No I'm going right after we f- we finish this it's
2: yeah. exciting it's a story of Beth and how she became involved in the Pilot TV podcast it's very exciting <laughs> uh, no so Tahar Rahim was a prophet however in this Dakota Johnson is a prophet so hey, the freaky. character of Madame Webb, for those who are not familiar is an elderly woman a wheelchair bound woman who is blind and sees the future here she is a I was going to say Gen X but I think that's actually selling her short. I'm pretty certain Dakota Johnson's a millennial anyway she is this character she for reasons we won't go into but let's be honest it involves her mum who was researching spiders in the Amazon just before she died
0: a line that is not in the
2: movie a line that was cut together specifically for the trailer from bits of dialogue that you will identify separately in the film but do not make a complete sentence Um, and she has essentially inherited the power of Final Destination whereby (laughs) the film Final (laughs) Destination is in her brain and she sees things before they happen she sees people's deaths before they come and she's then able to a traitor Indeed. Why she can pod race so well. And presumably podcast. And Ezekiel, 2517. Ezekiel, who is evil (laughs) Spider-Man, played by Tahar Rahim. He has special spider powers like Spider-Man. So he's like Brightburn, but the Spider-Man version of Brightburn. He's evil Spider-Man. He has has himself had a vision for reasons that three spider women are going to kill him. So he decides to murder some teenagers. And that is, broadly speaking, the plot of this film. It makes precious little sense, Uh, there's been sort of a big old internet pile-on for this film, and... I think it is one of these things and you alluded to this on Twitter, Chris. Uh, like it, I feel like people pre-prepared their funny funny hey, if you can see the future you should have known this would be shit gags. It's all a bit cheap and it's nowhere near as bad as some of those reviews make out. However, it is also bad. Uh, S.J. Clarkson who directed this is great and I have loads and loads of time for her. She's worked on brilliant stuff. She's worked on Marvel stuff on TV. She's worked on Collateral brilliant TV series with Carrie Mulligan. She has worked on uh, Succession. Like, She's done loads of good stuff. I feel like it's not necessarily her fault that this film doesn't work it it suffers from an incredibly bad script that just layers in really obvious foreshadowing it's quite first base with its plotting the dialogue is at times actively painful uh, and not because someone like Sydney Sweeney who is great is playing someone 10 years younger than she actually is it's just a little bit incoherent and it's loud and there's lots of sort of loud noises and let's be honest pepsi product placement which is on a whole other level in this film um i found it very, oh, I didn't very notice that. yeah <laughs> i genuinely did <laughs> really that. yeah oh my god it is it is it's quite spectacular to the point where it's even like a major plot point as well
0: i'm taking a star off it now
2: yeah you should do uh, it's just i mean look this is exactly what you think it is. It is a spunk film. It is spunk quality. It's basically another Morbius. Is it better than Morbius? There's not a lot in it. Is it roughly as good as Venom? I don't know. I preferred Venoms to this and I didn't like either of those. Um, I got through this film. That's one of the best things I can say about it. The thing that bothers me most about this film is as I've said many times people are going to see this spunk and they're going to be like God,
0: the MCU's gone downhill. I've seen reviews to that extent already. I've seen people yeah. going well, since when did Marvel get this bad? This exactly. Is, this is the worst thing marvel have ever done and i mean it is worse than any of the mcu films and it is derived from marvel characters in a marvel comic and there are there are people there are are names that you will recognize there are names that are said and then one name that is absolutely not said during the movie (laughs)
3: yes (laughs) even though yes you
2: will get great responsibility and with it will come great power what could they possibly be referring to we're
0: not far off we're not (laughs) far off but you know it, it does poison the well slightly and um that said I have found troubling my sentence structure. <laughs> but
3: also Troubling <laughs> I have found.
0: I have troubling I have found. I have found troubling this pylon and I have been as guilty of it in the past as as anyone. I have gone to see a film that I have been hoping would be bad. Yeah. And you almost go in. Like I, I literally remember going in to see Mrs. Brown's Boys, the movie, knowing I'd be writing in the review because no one else would do it. <laughs> no one else would watch it. And I came up with what I thought was a funny line on the way in. And God, please be as bad as I think you're going to be. And it was truly one of the most wretched things I've ever seen. It's, it's awful. <laughs> no one says how to make a bad film. Although in that case, I'm not so sure. <laughs> but you're going, yes, I can use that line. And you use that line and then the, the review becomes less of a review and more of a kind of a, look little, how witty I am. a little comedy piece. Look at me, yeah. look at me. And then also what you're doing is you're trying to outdo all the other pieces because you know there's going to be like a thousand Madden web reviews and they're all going to be slagging it off with their pre-written quips. And you're trying to outdo it. And that, that gets to me a little bit. That annoys me. And there's a lot of that with this film. Especially when I have to say, like, yes, I don't think that this is a particularly good film. I think it is an absolutely straight-down-the-middle two-star yes, experience. Agreed. It is not the worst film of no, the year. Nor um, is it a one-star film. It's not a one-star film. Uh, Dakota Johnson, I really liked. I, I liked all the performances in this. Um, yeah. Adam Scott. Adam, Adam really Scott. Adam Scott,
2: lots of fun. I mean, yeah. Tahar Rahim, who is a great actor, mm. has nothing to work with this one. He is such a one-note villain. And again, the dialogue he's forced to... to, to speak is, is kind of painful. Dakota Johnson has been, let's be honest, she's been kind of awesome in the interview she's done. She's been very frank about everything. She has said it got heavily retooled, this film. Yeah. And you can absolutely see that because it is slightly incoherent. It has been chopped and changed and moved around. And
0: I did a uh, special interview with S.J. Clarkson who is really really great to talk to and she did talk about how the third act in particular was completely yeah. changed I think you can feel that. and she's,
2: a, she's yeah. a really good director so I kind of feel for her because she's going to end up carrying the can a little bit for this and that is a shame
0: yeah and it, it is not, it's not going to do well at the box office uh, no. it's, already, it's already tracking poorly and it's... the
2: sequel that they outrageously set up so wholeheartedly towards the latter part of this film,
0: yeah. will never occur. It'll it'll never occur. But, it's, this is coming oh, no. soon, air, no. Airplane 3 levels yeah. of, of... But the <laughs> thing
2: is, footprints. the thing about this film, and honestly, about the Spump films generally, it's like, it has the whiff of, it is being made so they can maintain yeah. ownership of the IP. And it feels like, is there any other reason for us to be here? No.
0: No. No. Uh, but, I, out of that, that doesn't mean that these films have to be bad. No. This doesn't mean these films have to be like a nothing experience and that's the thing like I, I, I wasn't a big fan of the first Venom but I know a lot of people are and I kind of need to go back and revisit that and I mm. did actually have a decent time with the Venom sequel and weirdly enough I didn't mind Morbius and this one this one was kind of exactly the same for me in that it just kind of it happened in front of me and it washed over me and there were some scenes that I thought were pretty good and there were some scenes I thought were pretty incoherent and I thought overall it didn't quite stick the landing but I don't think this is the cats of comic book movies or the showgirls of superhero films. Yeah, Both of which come from the same review, by the way. <laughs> That's so which is true, a, yeah. Pick one.
2: Well, we should also say, and we haven't mentioned it, Sidney Sweeney, Isabella Merced, and Celeste yes. O'Connor, who play the three yes. people who are being pursued by evil Spider-Man.
3: Isabella oh,
0: Merced, actual Dora the Explorer, who does a little bit of exploring here. She does, yes. Yeah. There's some really, really bad shit, or should I say spider shit, insane <laughs> plot developments. We will be doing a Spider-Special in this. I think it is going to be a lot of fun to talk about, but... I, I just I don't think is it anywhere near as bad as the reviews, many of which I suspect were pre-written, uh, have, would, would have you believe. So there we go. But anyway, we didn't like it either. Two no. stars, but maybe not as much as other people. Two stars then for Madame Webb. OK. Hell's Bells.:
1: Hi. Hell's yes. Bells.
0: Uh, Bob Marley, one Love.
1: Yes, so this starts as Bob Marley is planning a concert to unite the two halves of Jamaica. Basically, there is a very contested uh, presidential ele- or election coming up and he is trying to argue against the violence that threatens to sweep away the country and bring the two uh, different political parties together, you know, basically shout for one love. Um as the as he's preparing for this, as he's rehearsing, basically people come into his house and try to kill him, mm. uh, and that's kind of our setup for the film. And then it's a it's really kind of how he reacts to that, what he goes on to do next, um, the music that I guess comes out of partly at least out of that experience and out of his reaction to that experience, and how he goes about creating some of his of his best work, even as his health begins to suffer a little bit along the way. Um. This is, I mean, exceptional performances. So you've got uh, Kingsley Benedier as as Bob Marley himself, uh, Lashana Lynch as his wife Rita, with mm-hmm. whom he has a very, on one hand, very close and depend, interdependent relationship. They are they are you know very very devoted to each other. They share the same goals, the same values, the same causes. Um, on the other hand, there is tension between them. There there are. It, this is not a perfect marriage. This is not a perfect relationship. And both of them, as we learn during the film, have you know um fallen short of their own ideals let's say at times and so it's a really interesting there's kind of a thorniness and, and also a love there which is really interesting he's also a family man which we don't always see in these in these films there, there are you know quite a few scenes with him with his kids um many of his kids were producers on this film the, the yeah. family was very much involved with this which is obviously worth bearing in mind in terms of you know whether you think you're getting the full story of Bob Marley or just you know one piece of the picture mm-hmm. i guess um there are it,
0: there are occasional wrinkles and they show that he wasn't always yeah. a saint. They, but.
1: they show he wasn't a saint, but they, you know, th- th- this is a very, sometimes it, it does feel like it has a bit of a rosy glow mm-hmm. on it at the same time. And as it should, you shouldn't be necessarily looking at your parents with, you know, the, the sharpest, harshest possible gaze. Um, but yeah, I mean, really, really good performances, really fascinating look at a time and a culture, a subculture or a culture that I didn't know much about you know it's really interesting seeing him at one point come to london and go to punk shows for example mm. and sort of you know he's he's clearly taking in the whole culture and seeing what he can draw from that what what energy he shares and what how he differs from these people and yeah i i just felt it was a little bit it was a little bit musical biopic here we go you know it doesn't go through his entire life although there are quite a few flashbacks to his childhood yeah um but it does still feel very much like we've seen maybe done before
0: yeah I'd, i didn't really get it. there's a couple of moments where uh ronaldo marcus green who's a really good director directed mm. king richard and he directed we own this city the uh the david simon kind of wirish mm. thing with john berthold that came out uh, came out a couple of a uh, couple of years ago um he directed those he's a really good director and there's a couple of moments where bob marley kind of has visions and/or you know kind of weird, vivid fever dreams, uh, and that kind of that that changes the the paradigm a little bit. That you know we're not just dealing with stuff that we've seen before. Otherwise, it is very biopicy. It is very oh, this is how we wrote this song, mm. which is probably absolutely. Bears no relation to how they wrote that song. Uh, this, uh, and you know, but it's it's nice. I mean, it's it's you know, yeah. great songs, and I, yeah. I was very very. Uh, I I was having a good time with the music, and the performances are mm-hmm. great. But it does it's it's wild to me. I think you were saying, I don't know if it was off mic a couple of weeks ago, but you were saying like it's it's crazy that a film that is structured like this can still exist post Walk Hard. Mm where there's literally a moment where Bob Marley's about to go on stage and he has to stop and think about his childhood, which is exactly what happens to Judy Cox in that movie. exactly what Judy Cox does.
1: I mean, that has ruined almost all musical biopics for me, to be fair. Like, this is not unique to to this one. Uh, But
0: but the problem is Bohemian Rhapsody, a a dreadful film, Mm. made nearly a billion dollars, won a bunch of Oscars, including Best Actor. And I think producers and studios are chasing that and they're taking lessons from that rather than, say, take the lessons from something like Rocketman, yeah. which I thought was terrific.
1: And really and audacious
0: as well. Really audacious and does different things. And, I, you know, Elton John was involved with that, but he was very much like, I was a twat, I was an asshole, mm. so paint me as a twat and an asshole.
1: I I mean, I think this, you know, it's it's by no means, this is by no means Bohemian Rhapsody. I, th- I think it's, it's not, much, it's, much, much better than that. Had a good time clear. with it. Yeah. Had
0: a good time with it. Um,
1: uh, And I think it, it very wisely, you know, picks an era and focuses on that. Has a lot of shots of Bob Marley and his gang going running. And I love the impression you get of him as the sort of leader of a team. They
0: call him Skipper.
1: They call him Skipper. I love... I mean, they obviously did. I'm guessing that's taken from mm. history, but that's fantastic. But also the the detail of that, the camaraderie of that, the closeness of the team, the, the sense of him having people around him it's not just the lone genius although it very much is the genius kind of story as well but i think that is the the kind of saving grace of this film in in regards to those tropes i think um so i really i really really like that and i really like the sense that even when they are in the studio and they do come up with a beat or they do come up with a with a, a riff or something you get the sense they have been in the studio for a week and they have been trying different things for a week you know it doesn't feel quite so like oh hey the way you clapped your hands just there was great. Let's do that again. I think I've just come up with we will rock you. You know, it's um, yeah. It it it's by no means the worst of its genre. It it has a lot no. going for it. But um, but yeah, I just I just maybe didn't.
0: Yeah, I had a decent time with it, and I watched it with a paying audience last night, mm-hmm. and they had a decent time, and they were laughing and you know, getting sad in the right places. And it is sad. I mean, my God, he was 36. I know, no age at all. When he passed away. Jesus Christ. Uh, and it'd be a decent time with it. Well shot, well acted um, and great music. So if that is your bag, then go check out Bob Marley, One Love. That's what I say. That is what I say. Absolutely. Very quickly, sadly, because we uh, are very, very up against the time wise.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, the taste of things
1: hells yeah. bells. um this is a fantastic, fantastic film. Uh, it's basically um it's basically a dream for me, uh, personally. So this uh, stars uh, Juliette binoche um and uh, Benoit Majumel. And they are he is basically the owner of this chateau. He's a gourmand. He's very well known for his good taste um people come from all over to have dinner at his house and his chef is Eugenie which is Juliette Binoche's character mm-hmm. they are also of course because this is a french film shagging um <laughs> she he's been tra- he's been asking her to marry him for years and she she values her independence she wants to kind of keep their relationship with a little bit of freedom basically to herself and yeah that's basically it this is directed by uh Anne Hung Tran mm-hmm. um who is a, a french filmmaker of vietnamese origin and um it's always been a, i think a thing in his films to have these very sensual depictions of food and to really focus on food and cooking as a part of the human experience which it is and literally the first 20 25 minutes of this film are basically them making lunch oh. in their in their sunlit idyllic french chateau kitchen oh. like she starts off the morning just wandering into the garden and like picking a bunch of vegetables and then she comes inside and they cook them together and honestly I was riveted. I was
0: five stars, says Greg Wallace.
1: Honestly, I was so into it. I can't even explain to you. It just looked amazing. I wanted to just go on a cooking holiday to friends. I love food. There's barely a a plot after that. Some things. No, that's not fair. There is a plot after that. Some things happen with the relationship outside the relationship. With um, talking about their relationship to each other, to food, to love, to life. Um, There's a lot of text and subtext and ideas in this film. Expressed through the medium of fucking incredible food, and and I was very very much here for it. Um. So yeah, I think we give this four stars. Yes. But honestly, it might be a five for me. I just, four. Oh, I was enchanted.
0: Michelin stars for the taste mm. of things. Yeah. Is there a moment where uh, Julia Binoche, character who is a chef, mm. uh, throws away some food into a trash receptacle?
3: No,
0: or um, No. Juliet Binosh. Oh, I see. <laughs> wow. Hell's bells! There is one more treat that awaits us.
1: Ah, oh, this is me dot dot dot. Now is out the Jennifer Lopez film. Uh, very exciting. It's under an hour for a start, so you can absolutely give it a go. It's kind of it's kind of an album uh, movie. It's basically her latest uh, songs strung together in a very oh. surreal story. So we start with her uh, on the back back of a bike going across a salt flat with some dude whose face we don't see, and then there's a disaster. And then we we cut to basically the inside of her body where a little version of her is trying to put her heart back together by feeding it petals. It's a whole thing. Anyway, it basically just gets very surreal from there. there is wow. a kind of semi-through line where she is basically addicted to love and this is self-funded
0: this is self-funded this is something this is she's, she's paying for is herself
1: she, is, yeah, like she, doesn't, <laughs> With... she doesn't direct it but she yeah. she has self-funded it uh, and yeah it? it's Dave Mayers uh, Dave who Mayers. does a lot of um, music videos and okay. this this has a music video sheen it's got a very artificial sheen the whole way through so the idea is she's addicted to love and she keeps getting <gasps> married well to I the so. wrong guy I know <laughs> uh, well she does this is the thing and she talks to her therapist who's played by Fat Joe and all her friends tell her she's doing the wrong thing and um Meanwhile, up above the zodiac signs, who are played by—I'm not kidding—the likes of Jane Fonda, Neil deGrasse Tyson, <laughs> um, uh, Sophia Vergara, Post Malone, uh, just uh, what do you call him from the Daily Show? Noah, Trevor Noah. Trevor Noah. Trevor Noah, Noah, Noah. Yeah. yeah, they they play the zodiac signs, obviously, and they're like looking out for her and trying to going. Oh no, we wish we could help. Um, it's amazing. I had so much fun. It doesn't make a lick of sense. It's, wow. it's mad
0: what about, uh, what about Ben where's Ben
1: Ben is in it I don't want to tell you what he's doing is he
0: on the motorbike is no, he the guy whose face we don't maybe,
1: see maybe but okay. no also he's, right. he's got a different role um, she is an incredible dancer I really like her as a pop star some of these songs are good I had a good time but it is objectively madness Mad. It's
2: less than an hour, though, isn't it?
1: It's less than an hour, and I would sit through some of the credits. There are bits in the credits. There's but...
2: things setting up the wider JLOCU. <laughs> ah,
1: I would post credit a sting. <laughs> Message and a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, really fun, but but very very weird.
2: It looks mad. It's like Moonwalker, isn't it? It's like it's like a weird musical vanity project. Yeah, exactly. It's mm. that
1: it's got that kind of level of making sense. Yeah, you know, with the giant robot version of him, is that
0: and with a rabbit on a motorbike. Yeah, yeah. Stop making sense.
1: And oh, I think it did already.
0: Yeah, okay. So, uh, uh, 12 stars? Three stars?
1: <laughs> yes, it's somewhere a, in between there.
0: A fish in a bucket? D- <laughs> who Who knows? Sure. Who knows? An edge in your phone? Who knows? All right, there we go. Whatever you want to give, that J. Lo movie slash visual album is entirely up to you. There we go. We're very democratic here on the <laughs> Empire Podcast. Uh, anyway, that is it. That's it you have reached the end of the Empire Podcast. Hurrah! Uh Join us next week for more film-related fun, where we'll be joined by... Went I... oh, very musical there. Uh, who are we going to be joined by? We're going to be joined by... It's good people. I know that much. <laughs> <laughs> Finn Fenders! Vim Fenders is going to be on the Empire Podcast next week, the director of Perfect Days. I was in the room for that interview. He was brilliant. And also, we're going to be joined by the stars of memory... Jessica Chastain, and Peter Sarsgaard. Until then, until we meet again, until that auspicious occasion, it is time to say goodbye to my two colleagues of such a lethal cunning. Hello, Nohara. Toodaloo. Toodaloo. James Dyer. Goodbye, Christopher. to Jodie Foster. Yes, I am in fact going to speak to Jodie Foster right now for the Popular TV podcast. There we go. I am off now to speak to someone else whose name I cannot say.
1: I'm off to see Madam Web. Oh, God. Not even kidding.
0: I think Helen has (laughs) won. Helen wins. (laughs) Helen wins. Helen wins. Yeah. The short straw competition more (laughs) like, oh, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not. I'm not doing it. I'm not joining in the pylon. No. Madam Web, this is a safe space. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. See you next time. Bye bye.